Revolution is inevitability. There's a limit to every man's ability to take shit from elected cabinets filled with prejudice, bias, and bigotry. Viciously taxing the poor, trying to ensure big bank liquidity. Tell the bourgeois when injustice is law, the right to resist becomes responsibility. You see it happening from Cairo to Tripoli, public unrest, anti West hostility, self immolation, Technically, ignites a nation to regain civility. Is that what it takes? Push a man till he breaks and take when dignity. When them lift them eyes up, people gonna rise up. Burn Babylon, it's a high probability. Everybody jump up. Everybody move up. Everybody jump up. Everybody move up. Welcome, everybody, to the Housing First podcast. I'm your host, Kara Burrell, and my guest today is Jonathan Thompson. He is the executive director of The Good Seed, an organization that specializes in care for homeless young people in California through supportive housing, job training, comprehensive services, and individual planning. Welcome to the show, Jonathan. Thank you, Kara. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Um, So I'll just get into it. Your organization, The Good Seed, deals with helping the homeless youth. Can you share your thoughts on the role of systemic racism, specifically systemic racism within the criminal justice system and how that affects homeless youth? Yeah, so the LA Times did like a really amazing article about like, if we take Los Angeles, for example, around like, you know, how did we, um, you know, get to where we are in part as it relates to homelessness and they highlighted um uh, you know, African-Americans in particular, but I think um, if we look at the practices, right, that that led to like population decline and, you know, over-incarceration and things of that nature, I think we can see um, that if those same uh, ingredients or pattern is followed, that it, regardless of the... Um, the uh, ethnic group that that similar things would happen, right? So, right. Um, so for example, um, hyper criminalization um, leads to you know young people being incarcerated, particularly yeah. in the prime of their their lives, instead of being rehabilitated. Um, and generally, while in in the um, criminal justice systems, in jails and prisons. Generally, they're not coming out with um, skills um, that lead themselves to integrating quickly back into society and being able to contribute and support their families and communities. Right. Uh, and as a result, winds up creating dependency on the system. And then the system generally doesn't provide enough resources to have a certain quality of life. So, you know sometimes you know bad habits get picked up and you want you can quickly fall into a cycle um yeah luckily like la county has um um done some really cool things with like the office of diversion and reentry which is um trying to um and working really well to address some of those um like negative consequences of what happened like in the 80s and the 90s yeah uh, that's and uh, yeah so it's it's good so all right yeah, because I've, I've, from what I understand, like you can get arrested for resisting arrest, 
and then you get thrown in jail. And if you don't have bail money and you're a young kid and like, then you get, you still, you stay in, you stay in jail just because you don't have the bail money and just because you're resisting arrest. And that's up to the officer to decide if you actually even were resisting arrest. You could just be trying to have a conversation with them. And then they're just like, you're resisting arrest and then arrest you. And then that starts like a whole cycle. And then, yeah, yeah, Yeah. it's like, it's ridiculous. Okay. So besides systemic racism, what are the other causes of youth homelessness? Um, I would say, you know, youth homelessness and homelessness, I I think there's a lot of overlap there. And just to highlight the bail system definitely needs to be reformed because if you're low income and your bail is set at like 150,000, 300,000, and you're homeless, you don't have a home to put up, you don't have that, those types of resources. So, right. so you're definitely right there. But um, I would say besides systemic racism, some of the other causes of youth homelessness, I think a lot of it rotates around um, economics okay. and, and opportunity um, and, and really kind of um, uh, fundamentally addressing those issues. I mean, to be homeless literally just means you, you lack a home. And generally, you're lacking a home because you can't afford to pay for a home. You know, the average one bedroom in L.A., you know, uh, you, you know, you're looking at somewhere between, you know, eighteen hundred all the way up to like twenty four hundred dollars for like a one bedroom. Right. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm in New York City, so I, it's like the same thing. It's like <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's ridiculous. And then minimum eighteen dollars an hour. That doesn't cover that doesn't cover a one bedroom in, in New York no. or L.A. So. No, <laughs> Not so, at all. Not so, you're, at all. so basically what you're saying is like the just the income disparity, the income, big income gap is another cause. I mean, so, you know, uh, which, you know, it leads a lot of opportunities. Right. So, yeah, there's really a lot of cool things that cities and counties can do. Um, when I grew up, there was I'm 36. So um, but, you know, when I was like 14, um, you know, like there was like a like employment programs, I wind up, you know, you know, like I wind up working for a nonprofit and they had me like organizing stuff and, you know, but I got, and, and then when I was like 16, I got a job as a, as like a lifeguard or 15, I was like a junior lifeguard then became a lifeguard and a a manager for the city of LA. They paid well. And it was just a really um, amazing opportunity. And I think a lot of times, you know, um, particularly government-funded programs and government departments, I think, um, can do stuff that, you know, you, the private sector, you, you know, you can put a little bit pressure should be placed on them to hire. Um, okay. and, and to, because, I mean, you know, disproportionately, you know, um, you know, there, there's some, you know, you, there's some amazing young people out there. And I think, like, you know, if government, you know, really, you know, figured out, like, you know, how can we leverage the resources that we have to, to give people employment opportunities? I think you could really make an impact on, on, um, uh, on doing that. I mean, the one way government does it is by working with community-based organizations. So we are grateful for that, but I think, you know, whether it's, um, you know, I don't know, you know, cow works, uh, construction jobs, uh, maintenance, and, you know, and I, they have programs, but I think, you know, you really have to ramp these up and you have to ramp them up at like 15 and 16 and really um, allow, you know, give young people opportunity to get in there and start making some some decent money. And I think 
the people they give contracts with, I think there should be, a, uh, you know, <clears throat> the same thing about, you know, hiring and, and uh, particularly groups that are marginalized or, or disproportionately affected by homelessness. So, right. Okay. Yeah. All right. So where do the other issues or barriers lie when it comes to ending youth homelessness? Oh man, a lot of it, you know, it's, it, it's not, I, you know, so uh, <laughs> yeah. So there's things, you know, um, it's a combination of like political will. You have right. some really politicians that are doing some really amazing stuff mm-hmm. um, and they're willing to spend their political capital to really push this, this issue um, of homelessness forward. And, and they're, um, and, and, you know, those are the people that like you donate, you volunteer for, you know, you vote for, you get engaged and, and it makes you excited about, um, you know, uh, about change, you know, that it makes you, you know, want to get out there and march and say, yes, we can, you know, it's that, <laughs> you know, but then there's, there's others that like, you know, um, you know, like, you, you know, you, 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 you sell off, you know, your, your, um, you know, your land that you had for affordable housing to backfill the budget. And then, you know, then, you know, when, you know, homeless crisis is an issue, you know, you're not really stepping up to the plate to, to, um, you know, put your political capital out there to really advance this issue. Um, Or, you know, you you make the numbers funny so that, you know, like homelessness kind of disappears on paper, even though the people exist. So, so I, I think, so I, I think that's one area, but then I think the other is, you know, making, um, you know, doing like, you know, it's, you know, uh, affordable housing, you know, making sure that dollars um, are available so that more, you know, um, individuals can access those dollars to build affordable housing. There's a lot of barriers to accessing affordable housing dollars. I know that probably isn't the most sexiest thing, but there's some agencies that are doing really good work. But I think that you need all hands on deck to to build affordable, build more affordable housing. And I think that there's there's a lot of wealthy people, and there's like a lot of people. (laughs) You can say that again. Yeah, and they're they're like, and I mean, and they have money that they can in real estate where they can move and make stuff happen. You know, like, and and if the if the public sector doesn't figure out a way to become more nimble, they will always be behind, um, you know, the private sector. And so, you know, you'll, you'll constantly be playing catch up and that's okay for some things, but, you know, like, but, you know, if you have, and, you know, we have close to a thousand people that die every day, you know, I mean, uh, die every year. Um, and the numbers are increasing in LA County. So that's like three to four people you know, every day dying from homelessness. So there's some, there's some issues that are very, very, um, you know, they're literally life or death. And I think those are the issues that, that takes like a political um, combined with private sector and all that good stuff Mm -hmm. to figure out like, how do we really uh, push this envelope and do it at a speed that, um, and I'm not saying that people aren't, you know, I don't want to give the impression, um, you know, politics is difficult and uh, navigating politics and people and agendas and it, it is difficult. And, and I acknowledge that, um, but there are people who, who figured out how to, to master that and to, and to, 
um, do what others haven't been able to do. And I think those are the ones that need to be elevated, particularly as it relates to homelessness. And I think they have to encourage their colleagues. And then I think, and it, and it can't just be up to politicians. It's up to everybody. It's up to me, you, faith-based community, civic organizations, um, to really kind of say like, this is not acceptable. Um, and the reason I say that is because if we don't have these safety net programs, you know, um, and we're not doing them and, and really pushing these issues and you're just, I mean, we, every year the number goes up. Was, I remember when I first started, it was 30,000 and it was 40,000 and it was 50,000 and 60,000. Fundamentally, there's something broken there um, that, you know, uh, mm-hmm. exponentially is, is going to cause this to, to increase. So it's, this isn't like a, um, you know, so the progress we've made is amazing. You know, we've done, you know, measure H, proposition HHH and measure J and like they, we've done some really amazing stuff. But it's, it's um, we need more and we need it yesterday or last year. And, and, <laughs> we yeah. needed it 30 years ago. <laughs> we needed it 30 years ago. <laughs> so. Okay. Uh, can, uh, can you highlight any organizations that are also doing a great job in terms of solving youth homelessness in particular? Like uh, maybe in your area or just nationwide? Yeah, there's a lot of amazing organizations um, that are that are solving um, youth homelessness. Mm-hmm. Um, so like Measure H passed and they had like 88 cities get on board and there were like dozens of organizations um, throughout LA County that like really, um, really, really doing some amazing, amazing work. And so um, I, I feel like LA County is like huge and I, I feel like I'd have to go down. It's like naming people in like every service area. And then <laughs> no, I, that's like, okay. Fight it out. That question's then, more for me so I could find out like who to interview okay. next. Send <laughs> <laughs> you some names. Uh, it's okay. It's all right. But um, anybody, anybody who's like stepping up is, is like, I, I, I take my hat off to them and, and um, have mad respect. So this is not, not easy work. So. Yeah, it's heartbreaking work. It is. All right, and on the other hand, who is you already kind of answered this, but who is slacking when it comes to when it comes to solving youth homelessness? You mentioned the government, political will, um, but is there anyone so that yeah, is the main? So, so I mean, it's it's a so, uh, the social determinants of health, right? So there are like all of these different. Um, you know, access to education, health, employment, you know, community, you know, justice, right? Like, so there's eight of them and and, um, all of these kind of work together, right? And so you you have to look at these social determinants of health and and then you can then look at like homelessness through that lens, right? And so like what's, what's being like, you know, you can, so you start looking at like employment. Okay. So people aren't making enough or people aren't hiring, you know, certain individuals or, or, you know, people aren't, don't have access to living wage, all that fun stuff. Right. Yeah. And so, um, so then they super fun stuff, super fun stuff. Right. <laughs> so they, like they have to sleep in parks or uh. on sidewalks and benches. Right. And then, you know, like you have, um, you have like, a convergence of like all of these things so um i i mean 
you know, it's really about like innovating, coming up with strategies and figuring out like, how do you push them forward? How do you say in, in every, every neighborhood, every community, there needs to be a shelter. How do you have like, you know, uh, intentional, like affordable housing in every community um, and make sure that that's, you know, like every block club says, Hey, you know, we need to designate an area where, where, you know, individuals who are, are homeless can, can have a place, you know, you have mm-hmm. to have to go down to the micro level and then you have to just really build it all the way up so that, that everybody is engaged and, and, um, and then, you know, wrap it around the PR piece so people can see themselves in that story, whether it's through their faith, whether it's through their compassion for one another, whether it's through, this is a public health issue. And, um, and if we don't address this, like literally it can cause um, people to get sick and, and not be well, like um, Reverend Andy Bells, who's like down at Union Rescue Mission, you know, like homelessness was such an issue in downtown LA, you know, that there, there was so much, um, I I don't like saying the word, but it's like fecal matter, you know, (laughs) on the sidewalk, right? Like, that, oh, that yeah. you know, yeah, it caused his foot to get an infection, and his foot had to get amputated, right? Oh, so, yeah, so it's like it's one of those things that that either you step up and you figure out how to address, you know, like you can do it because you're compassionate, or you can do it because you know it's for your own health and welfare, whatever the motivation is. But you have to figure out, like people at all levels have to figure out how to how to like step up and get engaged and and kind of solve these issues. So. So yeah, try to figure out the best messaging that tears at people's heartstrings or tears at their pockets or, or fills their <laughs> pockets more so if like yeah. is like talk about okay, so housing first, for example, name of the podcast. Um yes. what are your thoughts on that? And because I know you guys you, I'm pretty, you guys do supportive housing with the good seed, correct? Yes. Yeah, yes. okay. So what are your thoughts on the housing first approach? I think housing per- first is is good. Um I think, you know, when we touch bases, just when you were, you know, like just doing an intro call, like I, yeah, I said, like, um, you know, like, a, you don't use like a the ha- construction. Yeah. 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 I, yeah, I wrote that down. I was like, yeah, it was good. I forgot. What it was <laughs> like, I'm like, it's a, it's like a hammer, right? It doesn't work for all situations. Right. Or it's not. Yes. Yeah. So housing first, I think is, is great. Um, just because sometimes like, um, you know, certain barriers, um, you know, like they, it, it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, scientific, it's tested, it's been validated. Um, however, you know, um, depending on like the population, depending on like, you know, domestic violence, housing first isn't the best approach, right. You know, like, you need, well, I mean, so, you know, you, let's just say you got out of a, an abusive relationship, right. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, first you need, you need to establish safety, you know? Mm, right. So in domestic violence programs, you know, you can't bring your cell phone. Um, you can't let people know where you are. You know, you get picked up, you know, by, uh, some type of, you know, transportation and they transport you to a location and possibly transfer you to another one. So, you know, that you're not, um, followed and, and then you receive, um, you know, counseling and, um, housing and medical services. There's generally childcare on site. You know, they provide these very um, uh, comprehensive wraparound services. Um, okay. and, and so, you know, like housing first, 
for, you know, it might not. Now, after you've graduated or successfully completed or, you know, because there's court requirements generally when you have law enforcement and, and social workers involved. So once you've completed that and things are safe, then moving into your own place, yes, that, I think that work, it works well. Okay. Um, young people who are, like, you know, dealing with, you know, severe mental health issues, you know, and maybe they had their first mental health break, you know, just like dropping them in an apartment by themselves might not be the best approach. Right. So, um, but you know, with housing first though, you have supportive services there on site though. Right. You do. That's from my understanding. So, so, so part of that is, is that let's take young people, for example, Yes. you know, been homeless let's say two years six months or whatever you develop a community when you're out there on the street okay you know you take care of each other you look out for each other you make sure you have you know from sharing food to cigarettes to hanging out to this place does this to this place whatever right Mm -hmm. when you get your place like you're not gonna you're you're not gonna um allow your friends who you're out there homeless with to just stay out there right you're gonna have like you you feel guilty you know, because all of a sudden you have a place now and your friends don't, you know? And so you then allow your friends to move in and then you violate your housing first. And then maybe you have a party or two and then you're back out on the street. So what we've seen from a decade of, you know, working with young people is that like shared housing generally works best. They generally get tired of shared housing and then they generally graduate and want their own place. But at that point, like they've kind of got it out of their system. Where, like, I don't need to have like 50 million people around me. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's like natural progression that happens um, with young. And, and we found that those are the ones who generally stay housed the longest. I mean, we've, we've, we, we have worked with young people and we place them in apartments and, but generally just, it just depends on where that young person is. And I think that's why you have to have a variety of options. This young person might do really well in shared housing. Um, generally, you know, another young person might do well having their own. You know, like, I'm not saying it's, you just, you need options. And, I, and I, I'm, okay. I'm quasi, uh, you know, I, I understand why, you know, housing first only folks, I, I get why they're there, but I think, if you haven't like ran a program and work with like hundreds of young people and, you know, like you, like you, you know, like, uh, I mean, you know, it's just like, I've, I've seen it. I, you know, and so it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily work for young people as much as it does for adults who are homeless. It just depends on which adults you choose. If you got somebody who's like a senior and they, they've been homeless for like 10 years. I mean, everybody can tell you stories about, you know, people who like continue to like, sleep out on the street after after they you know you've given them keys right so i think that's more of a i think that's more of a design like a architectural design because they create a community on the street and then you know how do you create community inside of housing you know and i think generally housing is modeled after you know um we do whatever we're going to do in our private space we come out into a shared courtyard, a gym, a community room, do an activity, and then go back to our private space. But I think we have to understand mentally, if you've existed in a community for five years, 10 years, 
that was very transitory, that people kind of came and it had a fluidity to it. You know, how do you design, you know, something that simulates community, but yet still has the individuality aspect of it. And then, but I think that's, that's more of a um, one-off than I, I would say, you know, there's, there's some places throughout the U S where people are literally falling to homelessness for a couple months or weeks. They're able to rebound, get their own place, housing first. I mean, knock it out of the park. It works. But I think you have to look at places like New York and LA where, you know, you have tens of thousands of people who have been homeless and you have people who've been homeless over a decade or longer. And you, you need to look at design as well as like, you know, so I think there's nuances to that that just need to be taken into consideration. That's all. Okay. So. Yeah. Everything's not black and white. There's always everything exists in the gray area. So shades of gray. Yes, yes. exactly. Yeah. I see what you're saying. So what is known as redlining for my listeners? Ah, uh, yeah, this is a very fun practice. Of, um, <laughs> it's where it's oh, where you uh, where you take a map and then you draw a big circle around you know community, <laughs> generally community color, and then you say, "Let's not give them resources uh, uh, or particularly bank loans, right?" And yeah, um, yeah, and you know, generally. So let, let, I'm I'm, I'm tongue in cheek, but the um you know so it's okay, you know, the federal, comedian. okay so so you know the federal government you know um backs loans you know so there's like you know we have um the vestiges of we have the um we have the vestiges of that now which is um you know fannie mae fha all that fun stuff but previously they did not, um, they, areas that were considered high risk were not eligible for um, receiving the securitization um, of those loans. And so banks were discouraged from lending in those areas because they proposed a, a risk. So, right. um, and, uh, you know, I've, um, uh, and so even now what we see is that, is that, um, Lending and access to home ownership is still an issue in communities of color. Um, it is very difficult to to get a loan, um, mm-hmm. and um, home prices are are quite afford um, you know are high. But I think it's just um, I think it's really a will issue than it is necessarily the mechanics of lending. I've been a real estate broker for. Since I was like 21, so like 15, 15 years or so. Okay. And um, by the grace of God, I understood how loans work. And, and I realized like, okay, if my credit is good, my debt is low. I follow these steps. And then I worked with, you know, certain lenders, you know, like the, the loan process is not that complicated. But I realized, on the other hand, sometimes when I go to banks to get a loan, that, that their processes can be very subjective, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is generally not standardized. And so lending decisions um, can be subjective, right? And, and depending on, you know, factors that aren't always as transparent, you know, people aren't always given access to, to loans. Um, and I think that, uh, or they're not given the best rates, you know? Yeah. Uh, so and student loans for people of color. <laughs> 
Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's, it's a, it's an issue. I think like, you know, truth be told, I feel like that's, you know, if I think we're, we're, we're feeling, we're feeling the effects of the housing crisis last, the last housing crisis now. Right. So, mm-hmm. uh, and I think, you know, making sure that, you know, um, you know, there is not predatory lending. And then, so you have to tackle, um, which I think is fundamentally the issue of, of making these either preconceived um, notions about individuals or not putting protection in place for individuals um, is, is I think part of the reason we're experiencing some of the issues as it relates to home ownership and housing. Um, But yeah, but if, if, you know, if, if rates are good and you lend with very, you know, um, straightforward lending principles, then, um, and prices are affordable, I think you'll see a rise in homeownership. And I think homeownership, um, you know, for example, if my cousin is homeless, you know, I'm not going to let them sleep out on the street if I have a home, but if I'm in an apartment, you know, there might be certain rules or, or, you know what I mean? It, it makes things a little trickier. And I think, We've seen that, um, you know, that that uh, homeownership has decreased um, and then, you know, homelessness has increased. And, you know, there's there's you know, I think there's there's a correlation there. So, yeah, there definitely is. And the Daily Show reported they did a whole segment on uh, black home ownership and how I I don't I think I'm selling this story right where one family was. There's a black family trying to buy a house and um, or get or get their house refinanced, and yeah. they, they replaced their uh, pictures in the house with, with their yeah. <laughs> with white people, and they got like a hundred thousand more dollars on their refinance yeah. of the house. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so okay, one more question before I let you go, or two more questions. What's the best thing a regular citizen can do to help contribute to eradicating homelessness? So one thing, like I do, um, you know, I. I generally try not to, uh, I try to actively patronize places, um, that have, a, a diversity in, um, staffing. I realize, like, you know, if you're able to support yourself and your family and your community, um, you know, like that's one way that you can address homelessness. Right. So if everybody, if you're not, you know, like particularly in LA, there's 10 million people, there's not an issue about finding somebody qualified. It's just a matter of you have the will to search to find somebody. Um, so I think it's, 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 I think people can be intentional about like where they spend their dollars. I think <clears throat> they have to advocate. Um, for example, the decision that one city made to like sell off their, their um, land to build affordable housing. Um, you know, like we need that affordable housing land like you know so i think they have to be engaged in these political decisions because now you know like the the can is being kicked down the road and you don't have you don't have the same um parcels or real estate to build like you did so you know and then you know and then you don't want to necessarily spend your current political capital to advocate to purchase land so you know what i mean it so you have to so regular people have to get engaged civically yeah, um, more civic engagement. Definitely. And you have to push for push for that. And I think um uh and then they have to be supportive of like 
you know, shelters and housing programs. Um, and um, they can be smaller, you know, they can put, you know, whatever. Um, and they need to donate and give, but they can advocate for those to exist um, near their communities. I know people feel like, oh, you know, they're a bunch of, you know, drug addicts and rape, you know, all the negative stuff. But the fact yeah. of it is, the fact of it is, it's like somebody who has an apartment can have all the same proclivities. They could still be a drug addict. And, exactly. <laughs> and they can rent an apartment. <laughs> and, and you know what I mean? And like, you know, it, well, it, like, it, what? just whether like you have enough money to support your habit or not. Right. So, exactly. so it's, it's really about, um, it's, so it's just, I think, um, so yeah. And so those, those are kind of my thoughts on that. Okay. Yeah. Um, Zoom's giving me the countdown six minutes left. So before I let you go, is there anything else you'd like to share about your organization and uh, just plug your organization? What you guys do? Anything like that? Uh, yeah. So I think, um, I generally don't like stuff promotion. So, okay, uh, that's fine. You don't have to do it. <laughs> yeah, no, but I would say like, um, I, I would say overall, um, you know, I did an experiment where we were experiencing some opposition to a housing project and um, that we were trying to do in a, in a city and I slept outside um, to be homeless. Right. So I literally got a blanket and a sleeping bag and I slept on the sidewalk for a day or two oh. and and not as many people give and help you as you would think. And so just encourage people who are listening to, you know, not make preconceived notions or judgments, but, you know, give that dollar bottle of water, um, blanket, um, you know, food, whatever you can do. Um, don't think that somebody else will do it from sleeping out there. Like, and like maybe two people within like 24 hours to help me. So you, you, you might be that one person that, that may, make the difference in somebody else's life. So I would just encourage people to, 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 um, to, to, if they have like figure out a way to, to, even if I keep like a stack of like tens or like multiple, like $1 bills, like folded up, yeah. um, 10 or 20 bucks that you can just either just pass out or bottles of water, hygiene kits or something yeah. like that. About, in, so. in New York city, um, they have all these fruit stands everywhere. And <laughs> That's not awesome. Like- yeah, yeah, it is awesome. But you can get like three bananas for a dollar. Yeah. And yeah. so I do that a lot. I'll just get three bananas for a dollar and I'll hand them out to homeless people. Or yeah. if I don't have any, like, you know, stuff like that. It's like, it's really simple things to do like that. If you don't want to donate to organizations that are doing bigger scale things, you know, but three bananas for a dollar, that's like bananas are filling. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you, very you, filling. you know, so. All right. Well, thank you, Jonathan, so much for taking the time talking to me today. I'm genuinely grateful for you sharing your knowledge and thoughts on homelessness and youth homelessness. And um, it was great speaking with you. So thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Have a blessed day. Take care. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. As always, a special thanks goes out to the man, the myth, the legend, Ice Cream, an amazing music producer, and more importantly, an amazing human being for providing the music for this podcast. You can find him on social media and all music platforms at I-C-E-K-R-E-A-M. Thank you all for listening, and in the next episode, I will be talking with Jacqueline Simone. She is the Senior Policy Analyst with the Coalition for the Homeless in New York City. Stay tuned.
got the guns, but how we have the numbers?